You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I like to start sometimes with a funny story, and, and this Sunday I brought one to you that I heard about this airplane. It was about to crash. There was four passengers on board the airplane, but there was only three parachutes. So the plane's going down. There's four passengers and three parachutes. The first passenger said this, I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. Need me. He grabbed the first parachute and he jumped out of the plane. The second passenger said, I'm a rocket scientist. One of the smartest men in the world. My country needs me. He took the second parachute and jumped. The third passenger was Pope John Paul. He said to the fourth passenger, a 10-year-old Boy Scout, Son, I'm old and frail. You take the last parachute. The Boy Scout said, That's okay, sir. There's still two parachutes left. The world's smartest man just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> but today's word comes from, and the, and the, the message we're sharing is, is God at work, as you can see on the screen and in your notes. And if you'd like to go ahead and turn today, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. Uh, such an awesome message today because it's something that applies to our life where we're at. Uh, it doesn't have to be distant because everybody at, at some point in life has either had a job and they have been at work or you're working now or either if you, even if you're retired sometimes you feel like you're working all the time, right? But before we get into the, the deep part of the message, I just want to share a few things about work. <clears throat> uh, actually, Monday is the most common sick day in America. Monday is the most common sick day in America, except in Australia, uh, the most common sick day is Tuesday. I found that interesting. Uh, Fridays are the least likely day that people get sick, right? And people are much happier on Friday. Do you notice that? I worked in a bank. People are happy on Friday. Happy, you know? And the only time we're not happy is at 525 when there's a line wrapped around the building because people waited to the last minute to come to the bank because they're working, Right? So Fridays are the happiest place. If you work 40 hours a week from age 20 to 65, you have worked 90,000 hours. If you work 40 hours a week from the time you're 20 to the age of 65, 90,000 hours. The most common job in North America is retail sales. There's 1.9 million retail salespeople uh, in Canada. Uh, and several million in North Carolina. The Netherlands have, I'm sorry, in America. The Netherlands has the shortest work week at 29 hours a week. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Make the same amount of money and work less, right? That'd be great. Yeah. McDonald's has 761,000 employees. Almost a million employees that they have. Uh, the average office worker spends 50 minutes a day looking for lost files. They spend almost an hour a day looking for lost paperwork. Isn't that fun? And here's a helpful hint for you to end all this. If you're ever caught sleeping on the job, just raise your head real slow and say, In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> but every human is blessed with talents and abilities. Would you agree with that? Every person on earth is given a talent is given an ability that they can use for good. And sometimes, uh, in, in my case, that might not be plumbing. It might not be electrical. Uh, if you don't want your house flooded or on fire from electrical, you probably should not call me. Probably call somebody else. If you want something to stay together, you probably shouldn't call me. 
If you want your car to run after it broke down, you probably don't want to call me. I can change the oil, I can change a tire, but that's about as far as it goes. But my giftings and abilities don't lie in that, yours may. And that's the unique, awesome creativity and design of the Lord our God. Is He didn't create us all to be uh, robots and monkeys with the same uh, makeup and the same talents and abilities. He created us to be different, and that's how awesome it is. There's a quote in your notes there that's by Dick Halverson that says this, There is a distinction between church work and the work of the church. Church work is what you do for organized institution of the church. But the work of the church, and this is important, is what's done between Sundays when the church is scattered all over the metropolitan area where it's located, in homes, schools, offices, on construction jobs, and in marketplaces. You see, I would argue that the work of the church, which is that part between Sunday and Sunday, has been neglected for several years. There's, a, there's an ideology out there that says, as long as I come to church on Sunday, I've got it all together. I don't need any other church any other time of week, and I don't have to talk about God between that time. And that's one of the sad facts of the church. We have less people than ever attending church in America and in the world, and yet 90% of Christians will never or have never shared their faith, especially in the marketplace. And so it's important to talk about today not only God working in our lives, but God at work, God at your work, God at your place of of business, or whatever it, it is. And here's some interesting facts about Jesus. Of Jesus' 132 appearances in the New Testament publicly, 122 of them were in the marketplace. So out of all Jesus' appearance, appearances, 95% of them were in the marketplace. Of 52 parables Jesus told, 45 of them had a workplace content. Of 40 divine interventions recorded, 39 were in the marketplace. They were in public. They were in places where people were doing business and out working. Guess what? Jesus called 12 workplace individuals that He called disciples. They were working class people. He even called them in the middle of a work day. Come follow Me. Drop all you're doing. Upper room on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to the marketplace, not to the temple. And so it's important to recognize that in Jesus' ministry and what He models for us in Scripture, the marketplace is a key tool in evangelism, in discipleship, in the Holy Spirit's power, and in our lives. And so today as we work through this message, there's four points that we want to make today, but before we go into it, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 is our, our Scripture we're going to read today. Colossians 3:23. So it's important for us and uh, it's important for Jesus to highlight that our submission to God, our submission to His Lordship can be through work and that we can influence people positively for work. How many know that sometimes work isn't that fun? Right? There's a fact uh, that I read in some of these statistics. It says 62% of Americans hate their job. Over half. 62%. Now, if you don't... I've been there, okay, doing something you don't really enjoy just because you have to provide, right? Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I've had to work at, 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 in the asphalt business on a 115-degree index off the asphalt. I've done some things that I didn't like to do because I had to make money, right? And that's, I'm sure the same is for you. But the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, whatever you do, 
Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. How many know that's hard to, to really embrace? Do your work as unto the Lord with all your heart, not for human masters. And then verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Isn't that important? It is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are serving when you're working. And sometimes that's difficult to embrace. But this morning, like I said, there's four points that we have very briefly together in this time. And we want to take a moment and have and change and and look at our perspective about work. So the first point today is this. Work is a blessing from God. Work is a blessing from God. Now, if we look all the way back to Genesis, what do we see? Right in the very beginning, there was some work to be done. Uh, There was some um, all kinds of things that had to be done. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But some of us might not agree that work is a blessing from God, depending on how hard we work, right? Some of the work is physically intensive. Uh, Some of it's just miserable. I'd come home with, with, with sunburn and uh, be miserable for a couple of days and then be sore from digging, you know, two or three tons of dirt by shovel when, when working on the asphalt. No, no fun in that at all. But it says that God uh, has given us work as a blessing. And how you view your work can determine your future. Guys that are going into the workforce right now and, and graduating high school and going into college and even right now in, in your workforce years and even into retirement, you can look at it and determine your future by your perspective of what God's given you. Because you can uh, view your work as a chore or you can view it as an opportunity. You can view it as a J-O-B or you can view it as a calling. What if God placed you at the job you're at to reach one person for Jesus? What if God placed you in the position you are to reach a family for Jesus or to help bring restoration to a marriage because of your testimony? It's time that we change our perspective and see it like Pastor Paul said from a 20,000 foot level and know that God is working all things for good. What if He has you in that very position of retirement to reach someone that you couldn't reach when you were working? What if God has you, Sam, going to a college and to deal with the athletics department so that you can reach three or four people on the team. When we look at, at our position from a perspective of God, it changes things. And if we believe that we are God's children, we have to view our work as an opportunity. Listen to what Genesis 1.28 said. It says, As God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That takes work. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 2.15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And here's the, the verse that I really like. It's the hardest job, I think, in all of Scripture. Would you agree? I don't know if you would agree, but I'm going to read it to you. Verse 20 says this, So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. That had to be one of the hardest jobs. Platypus. <laughs> tasseled wabagong. Some of these, uh, so it really sounds like more of a British insult, but it's actually a type of carpet shark that is found in the uh, coral reefs of North Australia. How about this one? Sarcastic fringe head. And what was Adam thinking, right? 
satanic leaf gecko. I'd call some of these snakes satanic, but that's just me. And then one of my favorites is yellow-bellied sapsucker. He had a hard job coming up with names for every bird, every, every uh, fish. You know, there's some weird names for fish too and sharks, all kinds of names. But imagine what if it was looked like if God's people quit complaining and grumbling about work and saw it as an opportunity to share the gospel. As an opportunity to help heal someone's life and, and to be a good steward and to reach people and families for the kingdom. It is a blessing from God to be able to work. Point number two. Work is the opportunity to live out the sacred in the marketplace. Work is an opportunity that we have to live out the sacred in the marketplace. God has placed you and I in situations with people in our work workplaces and people in our colleges and sports teams that need Jesus. Would you agree with that? There's people that we come into contact with every day at the grocery store or gas station that need Jesus. Just this week, we were in D.C. like we were talking about earlier, and uh, I found it very convenient and very lazy of myself to get an Uber driver uh, most places that I went because we walked about 12 miles in two days outside of traveling. So it was really nice to have that driver drop us off. But there was one particular driver. His name was Warren, uh, and, and he was one of our drivers. And uh, Warren found out that I was a pastor. And there was also, funny story, another pastor riding in the back seat when he picked up two riders. So we both, he asked us what we did. We told him. He said, guys, I just need prayer. I've been seeking uh, religion. I've been seeking God something I know there's something out there. I just don't know what. Would you guys pray for me when you're thinking of me? And you know, these rides are six minutes long. They're not very long rides. Uh, and so we get there and we're like, well, why don't we just have prayer with you now? And so we did. We both laid hands on the guy. Our wives laid hands on the guy too. So we had four people in the car laying hands on this Uber driver and praying for him right then and there for Jesus. Didn't, didn't hold up our schedule much. He pulled over, uh, which is funny in D.C., right? All the traffic around, he decided to put his caution lights and pull over. And guess where it was? In front of the White House, the busiest street, one of the busiest streets in D.C. And he pulled over, and we had prayer. Now, that didn't take a lot of effort, and it didn't take a lot of extra time. But it was a God-appointed place, a God-appointed time, and a person who was ready to receive. And all we had to do was be obedient. There's people, and, and, and look, we may not have been that first person to share the good news with him, right? Some people get to water, some people get to plant, and some people get to see the harvest. And that was particularly in us on that day. But how incredible is it that God placed us there at that time? And just like he has for us, he can for you, and he has for you. And he has it at your work that somebody there needs a word, needs encouragement, needs Jesus. Oswald Chambers says this, The spiritual manifests in a life which knows no division into sacred and secular. It's important to know that there's not a separation between Sunday morning church in your life as a Christian and Monday morning at work when it's terrible. There's a, there's a podcast series I watch called Thank God It's Monday. You know, most people say, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, the work we over. But this guy has an awesome perspective, Dr. Eric Thomas, if you get time to look him up incredibly motivational speaker and he's a pastor too 
But Monday, thank God it's Monday. Why? Because he gets up at 3 a.m. every day, starts his day off the right foot, praying, meditation, all these things. But he recognizes that Monday is an opportunity because most people hate Mondays. Most people dislike Mondays. In fact, Mondays, for me, are one of the groggiest days of the week, right? Because it's a busy weekend, you know, Sunday, and then Monday comes. But look, it's a perspective. First Peter 2 says this, Live such good lives among the pagans, you could say non-Christians, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Sometimes the best thing we can do is say nothing at all and demonstrate God's love with our words and with our actions to others. Sometimes we don't even have to uh, give a gospel invitation. Sometimes it's the way we act towards our spouse or our family or our, our co-workers or our friends that people notice. You ever had anybody say that there's just something different about you and I can't put my finger on it? Or have you ever heard that? Most of the time, that's a person who's not a believer and they notice that something's different about the way you respond, the way you act, and the way you lead whether that be in a family, whether that be friends. And so it's really important how I respond in a stressful or wrong situation that I might be pre- you know, placed in. We don't really have to say anything at all. We let the gospel come out of us with our words and with our actions, with our attitudes and with our thoughts, and people notice it. And people see the light of Jesus Christ in our life. You know, if you're getting comments like that often, then somebody definitely knows that there's something different about you than normal people. That something different is the Holy Spirit that comes in and empowers us. It empowers us to, when those stressful situations come, turn a a kind word instead of a a bitter word, right? Because it's easy. We don't have to try hard to uh, say something sharp and to say something sarcastic and to say something demeaning to somebody. That's easy. That's natural. It's, It's just in our nature sometimes. I love sarcasm. It's funny. But sometimes it might not be the right place, right? We might could offend somebody when we say that. So watching how we respond in our life can let God shine through us and make a difference in somebody's life at work. You know, there's a lot of attitudes, and, and even ours sometimes can be turned. It says the only day we can make a difference is Sunday. The only day we can really worship God is Sunday morning when the music's going and things feel good and everybody's together and it's community, which is great because it is necessary as a part part of our walk as Christians to be here together, to gather together. That's what the Bible instructs us to do. But it's not the most important day. The most important day is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through Saturday because people are watching you that need to come here. People are watching you, and they need Jesus. And so the opportunity that we have, not the chore, is to heal, help heal broken families. Maybe there's somebody who's grieving the loss of a loved one, and you can say, look, I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a son or a daughter or a mother or a father. I know what it's like. That opportunity that you have at work. So let the Holy Spirit change your mindset. Ask God today, Lord, show me somebody at my workplace Show me somebody at my college, at my university, at my sports team that needs Jesus Christ as Lord of their life. Because then when the opportunity comes to rise that somebody's not performing well and you have to have a little conversation, some of of you that may be in leadership and management, you can show the opportunity of grace instead of a harsh word. So people need Jesus. Amen? Point number three. Work is a means through which we live our lives as worship to God. 
I love this verse, Colossians 3.23. We read it already. But it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. Work at it with all of your heart. That means give 110% effort 110% of the time. And how many know that's near impossible? It's really hard to do. But it can be done because we're working for the Lord. And when your boss comes in and wants to drag you down with the numbers that they aren't doing good and, and all this pressure that you have on you, your sales number's not good, your, your, this number's not good, then guess what? You have that perspective. I'm, I'm working for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to press on. You know, if you, if you don't like your current job, you're in that percentage of people that don't like your job, keep in mind that you're working for the Lord and not for people. Sometimes Tiffany and I have those discussions. She's in a place at times in her life, where she might not like where she's at, at her job, right? But she knows that there's a difference between a calling and a J-O-B, a job. And she's called to help people. She's a nurse. She's called to help people. And more specifically, she really enjoys working with children. And we haven't really found the perfect job for her. Right? Because she used to work in a pediatric emergency room. And right here around this area, you have to drive an hour to get to one. So it's really tough for her because she's not working in that what she loves. But she's also working with people every day that she gets to come into contact with and make a difference in her life. And she's embracing that. In fact, last week, I get to brag on her a little bit. That's all right to do, right? Last week, she had a cancer patient who had stage 4 cancer. She woke up from surgery, and I, I don't even know anything about the lady, and I'm glad, privacy laws. But she woke up, and she said she wanted a pair of purple socks immediately after waking up for surgery. Who says that? Anyway, the lady was going to die, obviously, right? And so Tiffany went to Kmart after work, you know, after already gone, and bought her a pair of purple socks. Went back. She told me what she was doing. That's your calling. That's not a J-O-B. When you embrace your job as a calling and you embrace it as something that God has called you to minister, and she, and she was able to have prayer. That is what we're supposed to do every single day, is make a difference in this world so the world doesn't look the same way tomorrow. And if we all embraced an attitude like that, how different would the world be? How different would hurting people look like? Because there's a ton of people that just work a job. They don't feel empowered. They don't feel called. But do what God has called you to do until He calls you and moves somewhere else. Right where you're at now, you can make a difference. You can make a huge difference. Wherever it is, you can make a difference. Peter 4 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others, a faithful steward of God's grace in various forms. So what does it say here? It says we're supposed to use that and the talent and ability to minister to others, and it can come in various ways and various forms. When we do this, we're pleasing God and we're fulfilling our purpose. And how many know that when you're fulfilling your purpose, your heart's full? When you don't feel like you're fulfilling your purpose, you feel empty. Trust me, been there, done that. Even in church. Even in church work, you can feel empty if you're not looking at it from the right perspective. So the last point today is point number four. Work is a place where our witness can impact others. Work is a place where our witness can impact others. Would you agree with that statement? It's a place 
where we have power from God that we can use and channel that into somebody else's life to receive power. Acts 1.8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Where does it say? It says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, geographically, Jerusalem was right there where that message was shared. Judea, Samaria were on the outer skirts, the, the outside and neighboring countries, and then obviously to the ends, the outermost parts of the earth, one translation says, all the way over the world. But what happens first? You receive power from the Holy Spirit and your witnesses. That means you give testimony to. That means you tell a story about what's happened to you. We can impact people at work because of our witness. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done through us. Would you agree? And so when we're at work, when we're at school, wherever we're at, our witness can be powerful. Because by our works, by our deeds, by our actions, we authenticate the gospel. We make the gospel come alive. We make the gospel real. We get to show people God's love and His grace and His mercy because we didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve the mercy that God gave us. We didn't deserve that love, but He gave it to us anyway. So what's our job at work? Our job at work is to extend that same mercy and love to other people who don't deserve it, who can't do anything to earn it, and we can't explain it. Because God first loved us. We must be an impact. There's an acronym for impact that's this. Insightful, meaningful, precise, accessible, comparative, and timely. And that's a lot of times used in business. But when we're making an impact, we can be all those things. We don't have time to impact them all, but they all apply to our walk with Christ. We can be insightful. We can be meaningful. We can be all these things. We need to matter. We need to matter to people. And one of the, the, the boldest statements today that I can say is this. If our life, if our church didn't exist, would it make a dent in the community? Would it make a dent in somebody's life at your work that you are not there because of your impact? Would our families be impacted because of our absence? Would our marriages be impacted because of our absence? You get the picture. Would our work be impacted and missing us because of the gospel impact that we have? Would you stand with me today? Just ask you to close your eyes real quick and just take a moment of reflection and ask the Holy Spirit what He wants to speak to you today about your work. And as I mentioned before, you may not have a job. You may be in school. You may be retired. You may be working actively. Wherever you are in life, ask the Holy Spirit, how can I be more effective to minister the gospel to others? How can God work through me so that others' lives might be forever changed? Ask God to put someone specific right now on your heart that you work with or that you go to school with, or that you run with. Begin praying for that person right now. Don't wait. You don't have to wait till tomorrow when you see their ugly face at work. It's just a joke. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till Friday. You can do it right now. Start praying 
for that person that God put on your heart right then. Start interceding on behalf of that person that doesn't know Jesus. If you don't have anybody right now that you're thinking about, ask God to show you somebody tomorrow when you go back to work or when you go to the grocery store or the gas station. God, show me somebody that needs your love. Show me somebody that needs your grace. Show me someone in my day-to-day activities that I can make an impact on. So, Father, today we thank you for this word. We thank you for the, the God, the perfect word of God that encourages us. It sets us straight. God, sometimes it gives us a kick in the rear when we need it. So, God, today I pray that you would use this word to help us impact our community, to help us impact our jobs, to help us impact our families more for the kingdom of God. Because, God, you've called us to do everything according to you. You've called us to do everything in just like we're doing it unto you, the Lord. So, God, today as we go back to work, help us to be empowered. Help us to be renewed in our mind. God, help us to focus on Jesus and the love that he extended to us, even though we didn't deserve it. And help us to extend that love to others this week. In Jesus' name we pray. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.